Well, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's the Buffalo Burke Boys <laughs> with episode seven. We are back. Papa, it's been two weeks. How are you? Good morning, Adam, and all the ships at sea. <laughs> In the famous words of Walter Winchell, who oh has been gosh. dead for a number of decades. <laughs> hi, Adam. How you? Uh, hi. How you doing? How you doing? We're hanging in here. We're going maybe a little stir crazy. How are you liking the uh, the stay at home, shelter in place life, Papa? Well, actually, it uh, it really has not affected me all that much, considering I have been retired for a number of years. So I, I'm sort of I, I'm not comfortable in this scenario, but you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm eating quite a bit and drinking some beers, but uh, I'm all right. This too shall pass, right? Yeah, I think we're all doing that, eating and drinking a lot. I don't know if you saw I posted the other day. It's like a coffee hour or alcohol hour, or maybe they're all (laughs) blending together. That's okay. I bet your bowels are in good shape, too. (laughs) Yeah, they're feeling pretty good. They're uh, actually empty right now, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, as soon as the podcast is over, I'm going to do my uh, six eggs and four pieces of rye toast. <laughs> Large <Wow>. omelet. <laughs> what a way to start. So yeah. I've, I've got a few housekeeping items as we get started here. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, we had a listener in Amsterdam. Do you believe that? One listener in Amsterdam. How cool is Amsterdam, that? Amsterdam, New York? <laughs> no, no. Holland. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it crazy? I don't know which episode it was, but somebody from Amsterdam. We had a listener from Canada and a listener from Amsterdam at some point. I wonder if the guy from Amsterdam, if if he was a a tulip connoisseur. He could be. Yeah. We'll definitely have to do an episode on tulip. Mm -hmm. Starting with total depravity. I love it. Right. We'll have to have uh, Johnny Bernard scan for that one, though, for sure. Yeah, I like Johnny. Uh, He was a good addition on our last pod. Very good addition. I think soon, maybe two weeks from today, we'll do another All Buffalo Boys podcast. Maybe we'll have Teal on with JB. I think that would be fun. Yeah. So in other uh, housekeeping news, uh, last month on my app I used to track my Health activities, Strava, it ties into my Apple Watch, ties into the computer I have in the bicycle. I only did eight activities last month, and that was running and bicycling, and I went 134 miles. God so bless your not, heart. Not that's too bad. Nice. My left hip has been hurting a little bit. 49 years old, my left hip hurts a little bit. I actually took the week off, didn't do anything this week, except drink coffee and beer. So maybe I'll get out for a bike ride later today. Uh Zoom calls have been very popular this past week, but if you are a professional sports team, you probably do not want to have a Zoom call that is wide open to the public. I don't know, Papa, did you hear what happened to the New York Rangers yesterday or the day before? Something about a racist slur. Uh, fill me in. Instead of doing like a webinar where it's shut off to the public and you could just submit a private question, so just the people from the company or from the sports franchise can see it. They left it wide open. So somebody hopped on the Zoom call that was capped at 500 people, but somebody started making mm-hmm. racist, racist comments in the chat client that's built into Zoom. Uh-oh. And the Rangers immediately turned it off, but the damage was done because it was a press conference for a young African-American kid who's supposed to be their next star. I don't even know his name. So that was kind of unfortunate. 
I guess the, uh, the, the PSA to the general public is if you're going to do a Zoom call, have a password that goes along with it because there are uh, algorithms out there, software that hackers can use to figure out which Zoom call that you're in. But mm. if you have a, a password on it, even a simple password, you know, Tucker as a password, people can't get into it or wow. pretty much can't get into it. So there was a nasty leak there. Not good. Yeah, that was awful. So obviously in this day and time, we cannot do a podcast or really have a discussion about anything without talking about COVID-19 and the effects that it's having. Uh, I didn't write down a lot of stats about how things are going in North Carolina, but I think the last I heard yesterday, there was over 500 cases of COVID-19 in Mecklenburg County. There's been three deaths, which is actually... Uh, I mean, one death is too many, but three deaths for 500 cases is actually super, super low. I, I think that death rate will start to catch up with uh, the amount of people that are infected as time goes on and uh, these people are on ventilators longer. It's, I mean, it's just crazy. Um, I think I saw a model last night where they said by the middle of next week, we could be having 2,500 people per day dying throughout the United States. And that's the, just scary. The, uh, I'm, a, I'm in love with statistics and meaningless facts, as you well know. And I know, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but here, here are the latest stats of this insidious disease since midnight of last night. There were 1,138,646 coronavirus cases worldwide. And the, they accounted for 61,142 total deaths. In the United States alone, we are the world leader with 277,000 607 cases, and we rank third in deaths with 7,406. Of course, Italy continues to have the most uh, coronavirus fatalities with 14,681. Spain remains third with 11,744. And check this stat. Uh, the, uh, the country of San Marino which is completely surrounded by Italy, has been particularly hit hard. 32 people have died in this small enclave microstate whose population is only 33,913 people. Based on deaths per 1 million, they are the world leader with 943 deaths per million people. And by the way, that's in northern Italy. It's a small country. It's enclosed by the country of Italy. Um, this is a very sad state of affairs. And can you imagine if we didn't have this social distancing and if we didn't uh, do what we're really supposed to do, what the figures would look like. And again, this is uh, unfortunately only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I fear that you're right. And 
uh, you're absolutely right about the social distancing. The when you look at the heat maps and the things like, especially in the Bay Bay Area where Vicky's brother and family lives, um, big tech they started pretty much having everybody work from home early in March, like March 1st, March 2nd, and then uh, the Bay Area pretty much had the first stay-at-home order. Uh, well, maybe the state of Washington did, but Bay Area was second, and they have not suffered from this very much. Now, obviously, the people that are really suffering, the areas that are really suffering are uh, the concentrated areas. <clears throat> I mean, you look at New York City, everybody's right on top of each other. There still are a lot of people working. There's pictures over the last few days from people being on subways together. But it, it's a very difficult situation because what are these people going to do? I mean, most people live paycheck to paycheck throughout this country, and they have to go to work. And there's really no means of transportation in New York City except the subway. People, The, the bus takes too long. People, blue-collar workers can't afford to take a taxi to and from work every day, uh, especially if you're coming in from another borough. So it's... It's a very difficult situation. Um, looking at the stats here in Charlotte, I saw a heat map the other day. Uh, every zip code in Charlotte has an infected person with COVID-19, but as you get closer to center city, closer to uptown, there are more cases uh, per capita because people are just right on top of each other. It's a it's a, it's a desperate thing. it's a desperate race um, to stunt the spread of the virus. Uh, if, if people are not taken serious, if, if they're not taking this truly seriously right now, there's something wrong with them. Forty one states in the uh, in America have a stay at home order. And basically that is affecting over two hundred and seventy seven million people. Mind, mind you, there's three hundred and thirty one million people. In the United States. So the stay at home order, uh, it's a serious, serious business. And, you know, the thing with the stay at home order is you're really kind of on the honor code. I mean, especially here in North Carolina, if you are going to a grocery store or going to fill up gas or you work at an essential job, uh, my company being an IT service company was actually deemed as an essential company. So, uh, we can go out if we need to, especially if we're traveling to a So, uh, interesting thing, yesterday when I went out, I went out to Costco, had to pick up a few supplies. I went real early. Uh, was there at about 9.30. They had the store set up really nice. Um, they were only letting a certain amount of people in the store. There were guards up around, um, plastic guards up around checkout counters, people were walking throughout the store, spraying everything down. You touched a, a cabinet or an aisle or anything, and people were right behind you spraying things down. But on the way to Costco, was driving through downtown Matthews and Renfro's Hardware, had yeah. about 150 people standing outside in line, and I just couldn't understand what was going on. So I came back and I looked at Twitter and figured it out. There were people standing in line waiting for the baby chicks. And that's a very popular thing that Renfro Hardware does each year. But there are 150 people out buying chickens. Now, the, the line was super long because there were people were keeping six to ten feet between everybody. I mean, the line was looped around the corner on Trade Street. So it looked like people were being safe. I imagine they were only letting a couple people in the store at one time. But 
is that really essential to go out and get baby chicks? I mean, I don't know. The, the whole thing was just a little scary to me. I'm not sure why they would do something like that. It's weird. It is weird. Uh, a couple other really interesting stats, especially since we went and bought toilet paper yesterday. Um, <laughs> we we uh, had an okay amount left, but honestly, we we have been buying toilet paper since the first of the year, no different than what we would normally do. Um, the number one uh, on this global consumer spending report that I saw from information resources, very interesting. Uh, the number one thing that we are stockpiling, obviously, is paper products. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, toilet tissue has been up 236%. Now, there were a couple different things about this. Uh, you know, obviously, people aren't at school, people aren't at work, so they're going to necessarily need more toilet paper to wipe their fannies at home. So we were going to buy more toilet paper to begin with. But I read another article that says, you know, maybe people aren't actually hoarding toilet paper. Uh the toilet paper manufacturers that make toilet paper for Charmin and Kirkland at Costco, those are totally different paper mills than supply the commercial market. So a lot of those paper mills had to shift because the, the paper mills for the consumer market just sold out because more people necessarily were at home and were using that toilet paper. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It was basically an article arguing for people actually aren't hoarding toilet paper. But when I see a fact that toilet tissue is up 236%. It certainly makes me think people are hoarding the poop paper. I, don't I got know. one one quick question for you. <laughs> yeah. When you wash your hands at home, what do you wipe your hands down with? What do you use to dry your hands? A towel that Vicky swaps out, I think, every day or every other day. I'd have to ask her. I use uh, paper towels. Right. And uh, mother buys paper towels like they're going out of style. I, I use a, I use the paper towels for everything. Wow. No, that's an, enorm an enormous amount. Yeah, an enormous amount. I get worried about the, uh, the, 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 the cloth towels. I don't use. I don't use that. Right. Yeah, it's probably more sanitary for the paper towels. Uh, <clears throat> another thing that was up. The number one category that had the biggest growth in the, in the United States, according to this uh, uh, information resources report, was frozen cookie dough, up 570% compared with a year earlier, which I'm makes cooking. a lot of sense. Yep, yeah. people are making cookies. I'm and in closing, in closing, Mecklenburg liquor sales up 29% year over There you go. There you go. <laughs> I thought that was wow. very interesting. So I, I don't have a lot more to say about COVID-19. I think, uh, you know, if we get on this regular uh, schedule of doing the podcast every couple of weeks, we'll, we'll probably have more stuff. But I'm definitely very intrigued by the economic repercussions of this. Um, I'm not sure when the stimulus money is coming. Uh, I haven't looked. There was a calculator out there that you could do from the Washington Post. I can't remember if I shared it with you and mama, uh, but you can actually look to see how much money you're getting. I think what I may do is share that in the uh, the show notes for today's I'm podcast. I'm wondering how that money is coming. Is it alphabetically? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I heard something along the lines of if you have done 
direct deposit with the federal government before basically getting a refund from your taxes, yeah. you will be the first to get it. But then I heard something that if they have to mail you the check, it could take a couple months. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, people need to pay rent. And, you know, the, the, the people that don't have checking accounts or don't have it tied into the IRS for that refund are probably the people that are living paycheck to paycheck need that money desperately just to pay rent and, and, and pay for food. So I don't know, they're going to, the treasury department's going to have to figure something out and figure yeah, it out. Yeah. If, if they were going to do it alphabetically, mother and I were legally going to change our last name to Aardvark. <laughs> With four A's. Actually five. Aardvark. <laughs> uh, 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 oh my That's goodness. right. Richard Aardvark. Uh, 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 <laughs> Well, Papa, you know what it's time for, don't you? Culinary Corner with Papa, Papa Dicky. Go ahead, Papa. <laughs> Welcome to Papa Dicky's Culinary Corner. Saturday, yes. April 4th, 2020. Today's episode, Prized Delicacy. You know who Lionel Richie was, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, when American singer-songwriter Lionel Richie wrote the song Three Times a Lady in 1978, I don't think he had the sisters Gulan, Helga, and Yuno on his mind. These three beautiful ladies just happened to be milk-producing moose. The property oh. of Krister and Uwa Johansson, owners of the Moose House Farm in the chilly countryside region of Bearholm, Sweden. They are the sole producers of their prized delicacy. Are you sitting down? Yes. Moose cheese. Oh, one this of the most delicious. one of the most expensive and delicious cheeses in the world. If cheese doesn't come from a cow, a goat, or a sheep, people immediately work themselves into a tizzy. <laughs> but, but, the, the, but the Johansons put that myth to rest. Enter the three sister uglies one of the Northern Hemisphere's most iconic species, the moose. The stars of Moose House Farm produce a little over five quarts of milk each day between May and September. The procedure requires delicate handling and no small degree of patience. Once the milk has been harvested, the Johansson set about producing four different types of cheese. And one of these is your favorite, Adam. A soft and mild white mold cheese, a creamy blue cheese, a dried blue cheese, and their number one selling feta cheese, which is prized for its mildly acidic flavor and smooth texture. The cheese is served at several local restaurants, including the Johansson's upscale Algenshus, Hus meaning house. And their restaurant is right in their hometown of Bearholm. If you want, you can actually frolic with these domesticated moose on their farm. 
Moose milk is similar to cow's milk, but is loaded with much more protein and fat. And the milk from these three gales yields roughly 660 pounds of cheese per year. Moose cheese is sold commercially in both Russia and Sweden. The painstaking process of procuring moose milk along with the limited production period means that the cheese commands a very high price. Though not in quite the same ballpark as Pula, which is the world's most expensive cheese, which just happens to be made from Serbian donkeys. We'll get into that a little later on in a, in a, in a future podcast. It still sells around for about $500 per pound, very expensive moose cheese, $500 a pound. Wow. To top it off, the cheese is only available within a small radius of the Johansson's uh, farm. So if you want to track down to these cheesy moose, it's just a short jaunt of 4,344 miles from Charlotte, North Carolina to Bearhome, Sweden. I hope you all found this edition of Culinary Corner a moosing. <laughs> Moose cheese. And they're the only producer of that cheese in the entire world, right? Well, actually, farm? yes. But now there are other people that try to duplicate it. But these are considered the pioneers and the only ones that have this cheese. And these moose they're all sisters. It's kind of crazy. And you can't get this cheese in America, Sweden, and Russia only. You're That's out of amazing. Luck. You're out of luck if you want to find it anyplace else. Hop on a plane, go over 4,000 miles to Bearholm, Sweden. I have to say, Papa, that moose blue cheese, that would probably put me as close as I possibly could get to a sexual tizzy. That sounds delicious. Just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. it puts me in that in in that category. <laughs> moose cheese. Moose frolicking. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Yeah. Buffalo Bills talk. You ready? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, I didn't. Re I mean, there's not a lot of sports news right now. Obviously, with what's going on with. Yeah. The Chinese COVID-19 Kung flu virus. I always have to make sure I get those shots in there to offend as many people as possible. Uh, but Brandon Bean did do a presser. I did not watch the presser. I listened to Joe Biscalia and Matthew Fairburn, their podcast about the presser. Um, I thought there were just a couple interesting things that, that came of it. I think, I think Bean did the presser on Wednesday. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if it was April Fool's Day or not, uh, but they did it over Zoom. Apparently, nobody broke into the Zoom call, so that was good. But the Biscalia and Fairburn kind of thought that, and I don't think it was a question that they asked Bean, but they were talking about, you know, maybe did this whole COVID-19 thing with basically everything being canceled right now, um, you know, teams aren't going to meet. They're going to do the draft in three weeks, but teams aren't going to meet. They're not going to have OTAs. They're not going to do anything until August at the absolute earliest. So they were talking about Biscali and Fairburn again, about maybe being traded for digs specifically, not just because he's, you know, a ready-made superstar already, but instead of drafting someone 
you know, kind of lower in the third round where they could probably get a good wide receiver, you know, they would miss out on a whole spring and summer of, of OTAs and things along those lines. So I, I thought that was interesting that maybe that's why they just went ahead and traded for Diggs. I'm not sure if there's any validity to that. That's uh that's a good point. You know, this, uh, this Brandon Bean, he's a, this guy's a horse of a different color. Don't forget, this is the same guy that, that, uh, Traded away Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. and uh, cornerback uh, Ronald Darby. I think he also dumped Reggie Raglan and, of course, the big uh, defensive tackle Marcel Darius. This guy is in a world of his own. Um, he wanted back in 2017 when he became the GM of the Bills. He he wanted to start his own ball club from the ground floor. And I give him all the credit in the world. I mean, uh, two uh, playoffs in three years, but me personally, I'm running out of time. I'm running. I, you know, almost 77 years old. I'm running out of time. Do I want to win now? You better believe it. I want, I'm, I'm, I, I love the fact that the bills made the playoffs two out of these past three years. But uh, I'm also kind of aggravated uh, with the two playoff losses. Uh, the first one in Jacksonville losing by, by scoring only three points in that 10-3 wild card loss to the Jag- uh, to Jacksonville. And then, of course, last year, the debacle, that three-point loss in overtime. So in the three years that Bean has been here, he's 25 and 23. He's over 500. And you know what? That. That is satisfactory. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't forget, this Josh Allen in two years, 56.3% completions. Will he be able to hit digs for 65% of his throws? I don't know. Everything is everything is with Josh Allen. I'm not sold on him. And if he doesn't produce this year, if they do play football, if he doesn't produce this year, guess what? He's history. Yeah, we spoke about it a good bit on the last pod with JB two weeks ago. And, you know, the window is this year and next year. Now, my thought process is we've got a good team. We've got digs. If we play this year, and by the way, there's a very good chance. I'd say there's a 50-50 chance that there's no football this fall. Very possible. Very possible. Dig into that a little deeper, maybe on the next pod. But now is the window. Absolutely. It's this year and next year. You You got Josh on the rookie contract. He's got two years under his belt, two full years under his belt. You got digs. This is it. We, we got to make the run. Brady's out of the conference. We do have a tough schedule. I think we talked about it two weeks ago. We could win the division at 10 and six. Uh, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. Um, but this is the time to do it right and, now. And, this year and don't next forget, year. We, we, lost, uh, we lost Shaq Lawson. We lost Jordan Phillips. And Bean brought in the... Uh, the Carolina entourage, he brought in uh, 32-year-old defensive end Mario Addison. And uh, uh, Dean Bean says that he's a real pro, but the guy's 32 years old. He's had his ups and downs. And uh, Vernon Butler, also from Carolina, a former first-rounder, he's going to try to take Jordan Phillips' spot. You know, I'm not sure, but... I know these two guys, basically, from what I read, they're players. They can play. So we're just going to have to see 
what happens. The key, Josh Allen. It all starts with him. Absolutely. The one guy also from Carolina by way of the Washington Redskins, Josh Norman, who very well may start at the other cornerback slot opposite of uh, Trey White. Everything I've read and obviously being in um, McDermott, think this way. He was in a bad scheme last year. I mean, he Norman was not good last year, but he is a good player. And I think he is going to be very good for the Bills this year. I hope I am right about that. Uh, In closing about the Bills, uh, they've got the 54th pick in the second round. Uh, Don't rule out a move uh, for Bean to move up since he's uh, been here with the Bills. Bean has moved up in order to select Josh Allen. Tremaine Edmonds, Cody Ford, and Dawson Knox. So not saying they will move up from 54. I mean, you're going to have to give up more stuff. But if there is a specific need and they see somebody early in the second round there, I don't think there's any chance he would move up to the first round. That would be too expensive. Um, But move up for earlier in the second round? I mean, it's a possibility. We'll have to see what happens. One last thought on uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's only one part of the puzzle, Adam. Remember that. And uh, I'm, I'm just wondering if he'll be impactful right from the get-go. Uh, if he's not, boy, that would be a real nightmare. In other words, everybody's looking for this guy to catch 80, 90 balls for 1,000-plus yards. We're going to see what happens. On paper, on paper, Boy, these bills look awfully good with those two wideouts and those two corners you just mentioned. It, it probably could probably could be a very exciting team, uh, albeit it's the schedule is brutal. Hope Tough they schedule. play. Hope Tough they schedule. Play. Feed Devin Singletary. That's all I got to say. Feed that boy. <laughs> all right, Papa. <laughs> we're going to move into a new segment. I listen to a lot of podcasts a lot of podcasts and uh, several of my technology podcasts have a pick of the week or picks of the week. Uh, So I would like to start doing that, even though it's not going to be a weekly podcast, maybe a biweekly podcast. Um, But my pick of the week is actually a local e-news letter. Uh, So you get an email several times a week. It's from a outfit called the Charlotte Ledger. And Pop, I'm mm. not sure if you've ever heard of this. It's a. Uh, it was started by by two guys. Uh, the first guy is Tony Messia. He's a former writer for the Charlotte Observer and the Weekly Standard. Uh, he is a Duke alum, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. And the other uh, writer slash editor for this outfit is Tim Whitmire. He is a Harvard graduate. And get this. He is one of the co-founders of F3. That's that uh, workout that you do in the morning. The, the guys get together and they go at like 5.30 in the morning and they do the workout. F3 stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. And that started here in Charlotte back in 2011. And Tim Whitmire, who is on the Charlotte Ledger team, he was one of the co-founders of that right here in Charlotte. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. They, uh, they have a free newsletter. Uh, I think, what is it? It publishes Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. They may have changed things up a little bit with, uh, you know, the, 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 the hyper-connectedness now with local news with COVID-19. Um, so I think they're actually, for the free newsletter, free newsletter, they're sending out some more information, or they're sending out more often during the week. But if you do the pay newsletter, it's like 7 or $8 a month. 
Uh, right now, I don't support them, but I'm strongly consider supporting them because they have some really good content. They contra uh, they uh, concentrate on uh, local business news analysis. They've had a couple breaking stories over this past week. Uh, they were the first ones, I think, to report, or maybe one of the first ones to report that Atrium and Novant want to build a field hospital up at UNC Charlotte, 3,000 beds, because uh, they're nervous that you know COVID-19 could kind of overrun us here coming up. So really good uh, newsletter. I really enjoy it. Um, I will link the website that you can sign up for the newsletter. Uh, in the show notes and would strongly recommend, especially if you live anywhere in the Charlotte area, to sign up at least for the free newsletter, check it out, and if you like it, maybe throw the guys a couple bucks. They seem to be pretty good guys. Papa, what's your pick of the week? Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, horse racing has been my favorite pastime for 60 years. I, uh, I enjoy it to the point where uh, it, it, it's basically habitual. I play, I don't play, uh, I no longer wager uh, what I do now, and it's completely uh, a points system type thing. I play tournaments uh, via uh, Derby Wars, which is a website. It's the biggest contest website in the United States, and it's 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 fun. It's just as challenging uh, as playing for money. Uh, but with with the advent here of this uh, coronavirus, horse racing right now is just about the only game in town. And when you're the only game in town, you're the best game. Uh, there's been a renewed interest now in horse racing. Uh, amid the deadly pandemic, uh, like I said, horse racing is the only game in town. Though fans can watch it and wager online. Um, there's only a handful of tracks that are open now. There are no spectators. And I'm, I'm just wondering if one of America's oldest pastimes is benefiting without basketball, baseball, hockey, and like we said before, more than likely, football. There's uh, Gulfstream Park in Hallandale Beach, Florida, my old stomping grounds. Tampa Bay Downs, which I play in contests. I'm entered today in a big one. In Oldsmar, Florida, just outside of Tampa, Oak Lawn Park, and Hot Springs, Hot Springs, excuse me, Arkansas, Golden Gate Fields along the shoreline of the San Francisco Bay in Berkeley, California, Remington Park in Thunder Country, that's Oklahoma City, Foner Park in the megalopolis of Grand Island, Nebraska which is a five-eighths of a mile bullring track, and Will Rogers Downs near Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's only seven tracks that are open. Now, this is very interesting. For thoroughbred racing, this, the spotlight is an intriguing twist as the industry works through its attention over the deaths 
of more than 20 horses at Santa Anita Park in 2019. Santa Anita Park, of course, is in Arcadia, California. And the federal indictments of 27 scumbag trainers and veterinarians among those charged with doping offenses in the state of New York. Well, I think there's a glimmer of hope for the sport of Kings. Horse racing is, is filling the void. Oh, I really believe right now it's, it's selling itself to a new and perhaps a younger audience. It's interesting to note that spectators really aren't needed to operate a racetrack. Considering 90% of the handle, which is the betting pool, worldwide comes from off-track wagering. The sports-consuming and wagering public is starved for action, and many are beginning to show their interest in the ponies. The handicapping contest called uh, Derby Wars, which I mentioned before, has had an uptick since as a result of the lack of competition from other sports and popular television site TVG, Television Games which is a horse racing network, has had a sudden surge in memberships. And Tiny Bonner Park in Grand Island, Nebraska, has had daily handles into the millions of dollars. Wow. Having something you can uh, depend on uh, uh, during uncertain times can't be underestimated or overlooked. Sometimes the only game in town is always the best game in town. Go horse racing. You know what you can depend on in uncertain times? I know where you're going. The Buffalo Burke boys. <laughs> Always. <laughs> hey, Buffalo trivia. I got a good one for you today. You ready? I'm not very good at this. You're, you're, uh, I'm surprised you didn't get the Marv Levy one last, last podcast, even with I, uh, I, John I, B. I, goading I, you on. I, I really you, did. I, I did know that, but I wanted Johnny to have the, the glory there. <laughs> okay, here's a good one. And remember, this is from the uh, You Gotta Know Buffalo trivia game, which was put out by a couple local dudes and gals, whatever, up in Buffalo that I got as a Christmas gift from dearest, darling sister, Aunt Lindsay. Um, okay, you ready, Papa? Here we go. I'm ready. Yes. What Buffalo suburb gets its name from a Seneca word meaning land of the crab apple it's it's not west seneca okay so uh, again what buffalo suburb gets its name from a seneca word meaning land of the crab apple chautauqua uh i don't know if that's a buffalo suburb chautauqua well let's make it a suburb lake chautauqua well you're close on the sound it's cheek Chica to Vegas, Cheek to Warsaw, the land of Mary on the Half Shell. Vicky, the first time I took her to Buffalo, back in 2006 when I proposed to her, we were driving through Cheek to Waga, and she was like, is that the Virgin Mary on the lawn standing in wow. front of a shell? I'm like, yeah, those are, uh, that's Mary on a Half Shell. Cheek to no, fl- che- no, no flamingos? <laughs> there were a couple flamingos, too, especially driving down uh, By the Mar- way, Maryvale Drive. <laughs> this uh, cheek cheek to Wagga. Uh, here, uh, I'm very fond of that town because when I was a kid, a 13 year old baseball player in 1956, 
we had just won the Police Athletic League uh, uh, Erie County Championship. We beat everyone. I think we were something like, I can't remember. We were undefeated. Nobody beat us. And we got challenged. We, after winning Erie County, we got challenged by a group of all-stars from Cheektowaga who said they could beat us silly. Final score. My team, Buffalo, Julie Shoes, 10, Cheektowaga, 3. We, we whomped them. <laughs> i never forget. And we played in Cheektowaga. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. That's crazy. I love wow, that's it. A, that's interesting. Good stuff. Well, you got another one wrong technically, but we got a uh, got some good information about Cheektowaga. Go yeah. Buffalo. Go Buffalo. Go Bills. All right, Papa. I think we're done. We're at about 40 minutes. We went a little long today. We uh, had quite a bit of content for our listeners. Hopefully that listener from Amsterdam will tune in again. Uh, also, we have a website that I started. It's uh, kind of a, a blog, a WordPress blog, because we are on like eight or nine different platforms as we continue to gain in popularity. So uh, when I share the links to the show that you can listen to on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, we're on YouTube now, um, I share the link directly from the blog, and then you can get to uh, listen to it on the platform of your choice. So I'm excited about that. Papa, Anything else in closing? Yes. One last thing. God bless the moose. Ah, oh, so much moose frolicking. That may have to be the name of the show. <laughs> it's very uh, amusing. <laughs> You're very amusing. I love it. God All bless right. you. So for Papa Dickey, I am Adam Burke. And remember, we are the Buffalo Burke Boys, and you're not. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.